Welcome to the Nation version 2.0. This is episode number 15. I'm Dan, and with me is Rob. What's happening? Hey, Rob. How's your wife and my kids doing? Your kids uh, need boarding school. (laughs) Not going to happen. (laughs) (laughs) So, Christmas today. It's Christmas. Yes, it's X-Mass. Did you get anything good? Yeah, Long John's, man. I got some Long John's. No, and then I got a case for my phone, and um, I got a PlayStation 3. Mm-hmm. I mean, wait, scratch that. My kids, I bought my kids uh, a PlayStation 3 that I, I'm going to play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so. No, so, besides, what uh, did you do anything exciting this week other than get ready for Christmas? Not really that much. No, I mean, I took, um, I took my X5 out uh, in the middle of the week. Just to cut, just to kind of tool up and down the, the the street a little bit, but nothing major, you know. Uh, really been doing a lot of benching lately, I guess. Working on your your bird, we got pretty much everything we need anyway. So we've been saying that for the last couple of shows, but we've got all the stuff in house now. So yeah, it's just kind of piecemeal, and we're in no hurry. I mean, it is dead winter for both me and you, so yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like uh, yeah. Well, I got some pretty cool shit for Christmas, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Nice. What'd you get? GoPro Hero yeah. 2. Nice. Dude, I mm. want those, man. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I actually got it a few days early because uh, I just couldn't contain myself. I, it was there, <laughs> and and I was like, you know what? I got to look at it. So, you now the cat was out of the bag. And... So you, like, already knew that's what you were getting, and so you're like, forget this. I'm not going to wait. I did. That's exactly <laughs> what I did. But... I did get some cool stuff today, man. I got some MCPX stuff. Yeah? Oh, yeah. I got eight new Power Edge 300 milliamp batteries. Okay? Nice. Cool. I got uh, a progressive RC parallel charger that can charge six batteries at one time. Nice. Oh, yeah. For the MCPX? For the MCPX. Yeah. I got a new set of Lime. I guess they're the yellow. Yellow, the fluorescent yellow main blades. Yeah. I got, let me see, going through the list. I got a new canopy, a green canopy, right? It's more it's more of that yellow-green color, so it'll match the main blades, right? Nice. And I got a new set of KBDD uh, yellow tail blades. They're new tail blades for the MCPX. Nice. So then if you're flying, like hovering in front of you, and it reels back and hits you in the face, it'll just kind of look like you got the flu, right? Look like boogers. <laughs> Yeah, nice. Well, yeah, that was... you probably don't want to hit yourself with those things, man. That, those are those those blades are pretty tough. Yes, they are pretty tough. In fact, <laughs> you know when you when you look at them, and I'm holding them right now. Maybe you guys can hear that. Can you hear that. Um, they look a lot like 
tail blades for like my <laughs> they look like like tail blades for like my bergen you know big tail blades right, so they're, right. They're, Long. they're not very thick there's like a skinny cord i suppose yeah they're real and they're a lot more flexible but uh yeah, yeah looking forward to giving those a try <laughs> you should stick them on on like your 600 or something and just listen to them bark around <laughs> flapping back and forth probably hit the boom or something that probably break <laughs> That was all stuff that I got today, kind of stocking stuffer stuff that uh, nice. kind of hinted towards. And they that was kind of trip and fall on the hobby shop front door kind of deal. Yeah, yeah. So that was kind of nice. And then we had a nice um, family dinner. Actually, you know, I've mentioned in the past that I've got a big family, but uh, everybody kind of did their own Christmas thing. And it was only five of us at dinner tonight. And i got to tell you, it was so much more enjoyable yeah, <laughs> than right. having – Having 30 people in one room, it was just a lot more relaxing. I can imagine. Yeah. Jeez. What? And to top that off, it gets even better, Rob. Yeah. Yeah. No. I got four flights in today. Nice. See, I haven't got, I haven't got to do that. You know, I looked at the weather report last week, or last mid last week, I guess Thursday or whatever. And it said today was going to be sunny and near 40 degrees, and it was. And so... Yeah, it was nice. It I, was nice here, too. I sent the women folk off to do whatever, <laughs> cook the turkey. And I I went to the flying field and went from the flying field to the dinner, and it was just a perfect day. Cool. But as far as this past week, I've kind of uh, acquired a new addiction. Oh, yeah? What's that? Angry Birds, dude. Have you ever tried Angry Birds? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dude. I played that before, yeah. That's pretty fun. <laughs> that is an addictive little game. Yeah, it is. It is. I have been having a blast with it. And, I, uh, I found myself huddled in front of my phone for a long time on that one. <laughs> yeah. Here's it a, gets frustrating at sometimes because some of those puzzles are just damn hard to get. Oh, I know. And that damn music, after you get frustrated, you hear that music in the background. And you're like, no, no. Here's another cool one you might want to try called Sprinkle Free, if they got that on iPhone. That one's pretty fun. It's really cool. It's kind of like Angry Birds, but it's with spraying water and putting out fires. That's uh, yeah. yeah, those little those little games are fun. I, I enjoy those. So, awesome. man, what do you? I think it's time for some news. What do you think? News of the time. This is Sean Sullivan, official pilot for a Dolphin's Tale movie. And you're listening to RC Heli Nation version 2. So what do we got for news, man? I got my list here and I really don't have anything on it because uh, I've been busy, you know, Christmas this week. What You yeah. got something? You want to... Yeah, can you hear it? I'm shaking mine. I can't hear it. I can't hear it, dude. Oh, it's because it's electronic in my phone. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't, I don't subscribe to paper news. Ah. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's uh, I've got a couple of uh, news items I suppose that that may be newsworthy on this the time of year rollage. Compass is coming out with a new bird. It's called the Warp 360. That should be pretty cool. Uh, I think it's uh, it's gonna be uh, kind of a smaller bird. I, it's, I, as far as I know, it's the smallest one they've made. It's gonna basically be the size of a oh well 450 a little bigger than a 450. It's gonna swing 370 millimeter blades. Um, runs on a, it's supposed to run on a four cell 2200 milliamp, 
or maybe a six cell. I'm sure most people will probably run a six cell setup on something like that, you know, because I mean, who's got a four cell battery sitting in their back pocket somewhere? You know, everybody's buying three, six, or twelve, or whatever. But um, it looks, uh, I don't know. It actually looks pretty minimalistic when you look at. Uh, they got some. Uh, there's some 3D like renders of it or whatever. But I tell you what, Ben, the skids look a lot like the Henslet or maybe Goblin. <gasps> yeah. You don't say. <laughs> yeah, it does. You know, and I remember the last show we we talked a lot about the whole hullabaloo about the the yoke. Uh, grip arms or whatever and how they just were all up in arms about oh don't copy my stuff their skids look just almost just like the the Heinzlet skids you know or or um how uh, you know other companies are doing the really close form factor uh carbon skids or whatever so i mean i don't know man tit for tat i guess anyway no it's a it looks like it might be kind of cool i guess it's 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 just prototype like design concept right now so i i wouldn't foresee us seeing something like this actually ready for video for instance let alone cut consumer but ready for video until probably next fall i would think but uh we'll see what happens i've got a little bit of something i want to talk about it's kind of news most everybody knows about rc hill magazine at this point yes i saw it today where mike Velez did post on heli freak you know I, I don't really have an opinion on, on the thing because I, I don't know the situation. I don't know what happened. Um, but I can tell you the 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 teeth are out. You know what I mean? The, yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, look, guys, <laughs> give the guy a break. Give him a chance to say what he's got to say before yeah. you just go on the attack. For Christ's oh, sake. For sure. I mean, I... I I will tell you, I have talked to him. I'm not going to go into any details because uh, he requested that of me, and I'm going to respect that request. But I can tell you, he did tell me that he wants to come on the show once he gets it all figured out. This isn't a guy that just wanted, that set out on this evil plan to, you know, yeah. <laughs> take money out of your bank account and, and giggle all the way to the bank. Yeah, there's right. O- there's I'll obviously to take something. Some pictures, haha. Yeah, yeah there, there's obviously something at work here that we have no clue about. So there's no reason, there's no, there's no, I don't understand the the vileness that is coming out on the forums against against Mike Velez. And look, it's not like Mike and I are good personal friends. You yeah. know, I've talked to him a few times. He told us what was up, sounded reasonable to me. Uh, if he knew that there were problems, um, from any good business standpoint, you don't just, you know, air your dirty laundry. You know, yeah, he, right. he, he, just give him a chance to explain his side of the story, and we will let you know as soon as we get a chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I'm reading this his response here now, and I, yeah, I don't, I don't see why. Even if I wasn't doing what I'm doing right now, I don't see how I, why I would want to bark at the guy. You know, it, when this whole thing first started to fall apart, you know, um, I had just got, and this was, oh gosh, it must have been like a year and some change ago almost now. Um, it was last Christmas actually, so about a year, I guess, exactly a year, because <laughs> it was our our uh, Secret Santa um, at work. This lady, she bought me a two year subscription to RC Heli magazine, right? And, uh, she just re-upped my subscription or whatever, and um, shortly after that, I went through 
some what seemed like a kind of a lapse in a couple of issues or whatever, and I was thinking, oh, it must just be like rolling over to that two-year subscription or whatever. And I, I find I got on the website where you can see like your subscriptions up to date or whatever, and and it was, and and that's where I found the first thread about the whole where's my magazine kind of thing way back then. You know, even then, I just sat back and I read the the thread a little bit, and I saw the part where Mike. Uh, put out his contact info, and I contacted him and said, "Hey, I didn't get this one or that one. Um, I really like your magazine, but uh, you know, whenever it shows up, great. Uh, if it's maybe got missed, if you could send a copy, sweet. You know." And he did. You know, he sent me. Well, maybe not him personally. I don't know. I mean, it kind of felt like that was what was happening, but I'm sure it wasn't him personally. But the point was. R.C. Helly Magazine sent me a, a package with five backdated magazines and. One I ended up as a duplicate because I picked it up off the rack, um, but the point was I, I whatever you know I didn't no skin off my back. It's I mean if I had if my wife subscribed to Better Homes and Gardens and they started to go out of business or something like that and she wasn't getting her subscription, she'd probably just call him and say, um, yeah I haven't been getting the magazine. Um, I guess you know if you want to stop the subscription or send me my money back or whatever, there wouldn't be flame wars or freak out you know fests or anything like that. So I'm not mm-hmm. sure why people feel like they they can have the gall to act that way because they have a place where they can type words on the screen. And, and it, that's a generalization. I mean, it's not just about this subject. It happens all over the place. And I don't know why people feel like they have to act like that. Um, it's I guess it's just a symptom of internet communication. You know, it's something that people have to figure out how to overcome. It's bad form regardless. Of- I don't know the details again. I'm just going by what I read in that post that Mike put out. Apparently, there's some IRS issues happening. Now, ooh, Uncle Sam's big fist. I have experience, not me personally, but with a company that I worked with, very large, you know, millions of dollars a year in revenue. Sometimes these issues pop up without the owner knowing because somebody made a mistake. And by the time the owner knows about it. Yeah, right. It's almost too late. I mean, it, it, yeah. the, the problem is almost it's it's almost out of hand because, look, I'm not defending him, and I'm certainly not saying that you guys who feel like you've been wronged don't have a reason to be upset. But you know, let's yeah. wait, let's watch and see what and see what happens. Yeah, for sure. Let's let's get the facts before we start calling Mike Bell as a lie in public forum. It's ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, for sure. I think it's silly. I can already see some people here are – I'm looking at one of these threads, and there's some people that are already just kind of like, hey, you know what? Let's just – let's move on. You know, it's, it's Christmas for Christ's sakes or whatever, and so. Yeah, and like I said, he'll he'll be on when the time is right, and we will definitely let you guys know. Yeah, crooked is. Come on. Can you hear that? Yeah. She's super purring. The cat's so talkative. <laughs> Can't get over it. That's her quit fucking with me now there. Yeah. She's like, I still like you, but please stop it. So, Rob, episode number 15, man. You know what that means. Yes. Giveaway time. For sure, man. Someone's getting a new helicopter for Christmas. You had quite a bit of cutting to do this time. <laughs> yeah, I did. And <laughs> I had a little scare there because my printer almost didn't uh, work. 
and I was thinking I was going to run out of time, so I actually started. I moved the file from my laptop to my phone, uh, you know, in Google Docs, and I started writing these things down by hand. I was like, oh my god, oh my I don't want to do that. Um, but yeah, the printer finally worked, and I finally got it, got them all, all printed right. out and cut up. So you guys have had, jeez, uh, the better part of a month to get in on this giveaway. It's a 450 Pro combo, super combo. Yes. Right? Yes. From RC Aerodyne. Thank you again, Cliff. Awesome donation. Uh, everything you guys need, all you have to need, all you'll need to do is add your own receiver and your own battery, and boom, you're good to go. Kick-ass yeah. little 450. Rob's been flying one for a few weeks now. It flies great. Comes with an upgraded motor. What is the? Uh, it's like a. What is it again, Rob? It's a. It's the 2221-6. Yes. It's 4400 kV. Yeah, yeah. It's hot. It's a hot motor. So it's fun. So we're going to go ahead uh, earlier in the day. Of course, it's a little late now, and Simon got tuckered out playing with his new toys. So, But Rob did take an opportunity to record a little bit, uh, well, the uh, the giveaway. Uh, yeah. So he and, he and Simon did that. We're going to go ahead and play that right now, and here we go. All right, Simon, are you ready to do the drawing? Yep. Yeah, we're going to pull the name out. This is for the 450 Pro, the Chaos 450 Pro. Somebody's going to win that. All right. Okay, you ready to pull out a name? Yep. I'm going to take it up. I'm going to take it up. All right, go ahead and, go ahead and pull one. Got one? All right. Let's open that name. Let's open it up and see what it says. What's that say? No, you'd read You want me to read it? It says, <laughs> Mike Gonyea. Mike, you're the winner of the 450 Pro. All right. Yeah. You won it! Woo, woo, woo! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who's going to be more excited, Mike or, or Simon. Dude, I was pretty, pretty pumped. There you go, Mike. There you go. Yeah. Mike, awesome, dude. It's yours. Uh, we'll be getting in touch with you. Uh, probably I'll send you uh, an email out as soon as we're done here, and uh, I'll tell you how you go about acquiring your brand new 450 pro helicopter make it congratulations make it so number one make it so so when you get it uh you know take some pictures get some video of it flying let us know what you think yeah man you know for sure congrats yeah big thanks to rc aerodyne for for doing that contest you know putting that uh putting the chaos in there for the drawing and um so yeah that's 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 great, uh, Mike. Uh, you get yourself a new helicopter for Christmas. Merry Christmas. Awesome. Merry Christmas. We had Bert Kramer on the other day. Yes, we did. Bert Kramer. I mean, Bert Kramer. Cram, cr- cranberries. Cram, cram, camera. <laughs> camera. I got a camera. Well, along with Bert, we had the greatness that is Pena. Yes. Yes, that dirty you dog. You can never go. Look, you can never go wrong if you've got Pinion and Burt Cameron in one show. But wait, there's more. Oh, <laughs> Rob was there. Oh, wait, I'm always there. <laughs> uh, Sean Sullivan. Now, uh, you guys, some of you guys down there in the Florida area might be familiar with Sean. He uh, he used to work for Ready Heli. Um, but he was the dude that did the helicopter work for A Dolphin's Tale, uh, for those of you who have seen it. Yeah. Great movie. I mean, uh, I watched it just the other day, mainly because I wanted to check out the helicopter thing, but it uh, turns out it was a really good show. Definitely recommend it, especially if you've got kids. you got to think for purposes. You don't have to. I do. 
I got a thing for animals with blowholes. Porpoise. Is that how you say it? Porpoise. <laughs> Porpoises. Yeah. Great show. Check it out. Uh, awesome interview. So we're going to go ahead and play that interview for you now. It's a long one, but it's a good one. We talk about... All, th- this is Bircha, the, <laughs> the, the less boring version. Yes. Not quite as dry. <laughs> uh, although I did listen to Bert's interview, and it was a good interview on the other podcast, RC Today. But uh, this one has a little more edge to it, so I think you guys will enjoy it. Anyway, without further ado, here you go. Bring up the part where they talk from the sheets of paper and make it sound like it's random. Hey guys, this is Cliff with RC Aerodyne. You're listening to RC Heli Nation. Oh my god, Rob. You're not going to believe who we have on the line with us tonight. Ah, uh, who's that? We've got oh no. Even even better. We've got we've got Bert Camera. Nice. Hey Bert, say hi. What's going on, guys? I guess yeah, I'm who? a regular on the show now. Yeah, you might as well be. Then uh, Pinion. Yes. Pinion's on. You dirty dog. Yes. How are you? How are you guys doing, man? How's everybody doing? Yeah, Pinion's still recovering from his epic journey down to uh, Orlando. I had a great time down there. Thanks, Bert. Yes. <laughs> Let's, uh, oh, someone just dropped. Who just dropped? You did. No, it was no. Bert. Looks like Bert came out. Okay, you can't say anything uh, nasty about Bert because uh, even though it looks like he's <laughs> off, he can still hear us. <laughs> <laughs> we found that out, didn't we, Didn't we, Pinion? Yes. <laughs> That's great. Yes. Uh, you know what they call this? Dead they call air. this... Dead air. Yes. People get fired over this. I'll do my Marcel Marceau interview. The, the awkward yes. silence as it is. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we'll go ahead and kind of talk with Pinion a little bit while we're waiting for Bert to reconnect. Uh, Pinion, you were at the Orlando Heli Blowout last yeah. week. Yes. Yes. And it was it was it looked like it was just an amazing event. Yes, uh, just wall to wall, excellent flying. Uh, the field was amazing, in uh, the just a lot of fun. You know, everybody was having a good time. Everybody was socializing, uh, you know, while you're waiting in line to fly. Uh, we all went out to eat, uh, you know, every evening. Groups, you know, would go out and eat and that kind of thing and then come back and do some night flying. So it was uh, uh, just a great time. And I'm looking forward to going back next year. Well, there was one particular interview that you did that I was uh, a little bit mesmerized by. Um, you seemed to – you were interviewing some young gal at a, at a wing shop. and uh, yes. You know, we ate there every night. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just. <laughs> yes. yes, Bert brought you team know, outrage there. Yes. <laughs> yes. I saw you. I saw you sneak a peek. Yes, she was very. She was, uh, uh, you know, very friendly, and uh, I waited for her to get distracted, and then I did my little nibble routine. She was so. well endowed. That's... Yes, very nice young lady. <laughs> There we go. Pinion's a, Pinion's a dirty dog, no doubt about it. <laughs> so, Bert, we were talking about the Orlando Heli Blowout. We were talking a little bit about Pinion's videos. And, of course, this event is uh, kind of your baby. Why don't you uh, kind of give us an idea of why you started it, when you started it, and did you expect it to grow so quick? Yeah, how did Bertcha yeah. come about? Bertcha. Where did you get that from, by the way? Pinion. 
That's all no, opinion, baby. Did you did you ever hear somebody say that before? Because somebody somebody actually brought that up like two years ago. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But uh, I can't tell you where. I don't remember. I I saw it or read it somewhere. Yeah, but you did time, see it or read it. It wasn't like you came up with it because I was oh, like, wow. Oh. If he did, that was like very coincidental. No, yeah, yeah. I, I heard. <laughs> we uh. Um, I think this was back in 2007 or whatever. Uh, everybody, you know, it, it occurred to me that, uh, you, you know, there, was the, there used to be a fun fly in Florida called Mulberry. And uh, Mulberry used to take place in the town of Mulberry, which is like next door to Lakeland, Florida. It's about an hour southwest of Orlando, between Orlando and Tampa. And that fun fly used to bring a lot of people back in the day. Like I'm talking the big names back, you know, five, six, seven, eight, ten years ago, like, Curtis and Matt, uh, how do you call it, uh, Matt wasn't even around. I'm talking about Curtis Youngblood and Jason Krause and Todd Bennett and all those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and that fun fly started to lose a lot of popularity. And all the, all the events in Florida kind of turned, you know, they, they became small events, you know, over the course of the years. And sometime around 2007, we literally had no big fun flies in Florida. Everything was like 50 pilots. 70, 80 pilots was pushing it, but there was nothing really big. So I figured, you know, why not? Um, let's try to do a fun fly in Orlando because, you know, Orlando being such a great destination for the, the holidays and stuff, it occurred to me that, you know, it would be great because a lot of the guys would be able to get away from the cold, come down to Florida, maybe even convince their families to come with them and enjoy Disney for a day or two and then go to the fun fly. You know, that's sort of like what I proposed to the club at the time, Torches, which is the club that I used to belong to. I still belong to, but I'm obviously not in Orlando at this point. And uh, everybody kind of liked the idea, and we kind of got together, me and a couple other guys at the time. It was Alex, uh, Alex Oxit, I can't pronounce his last name. He was a club president, and Kerry Shirley was the club treasurer, and we kind of made it happen. And uh, 2008 um, was the first year. We had 120 pilots, which was better than any other event in Florida at the time. And, you know, we really didn't advertise it a whole lot. This was like a, you know, a three to four-month four planning total, you know, to make it happen the first year. And, uh, and it, it sort of came out actually better than we expected, considering the amount of resources and time we put into it. So for 2009, we tried to make it bigger. And 2009, we broke the 200 pilot mark, you know, in the second year. So at this point, we're getting really, really excited. So we started planning it a little better and organizing it a little better. And Pinion, what did you do to Bert? Yes. <laughs> he spent the, he, he spent all his money on Bert, and now he can't afford his cell phone bill. Yes. <laughs> He's still listening now. You got to be careful what you say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, in, in our be, defense, he's the one that's coming out of this call here. Your ass, will be, your ass will be camerized. Yes. Camerized. <laughs> there we go. So we get to um, 2009. It's a yeah. There you go. So so yeah. So 2008 is the first year. 2009, we had 200 pilots, and then um, and then for 2010. Um, we started pushing even harder, but I was a little bit afraid of pushing, promoting as hard as I could because the field we used to do this at was called RCACF. It's a very nice field and everything, but it really didn't have much room at all for parking and for cars. Like, and it didn't have a lot of safety uh, sort of room between the flight line and the pits. 
So yeah. we were kind of limited. Like it was a very long field. It could accommodate up to like 10 flight stations. But in terms of the depth of the field, it was like really narrow. And it was kind of scary getting a lot of cars in there and a lot of people. So for that year, we got 240 pilots. We, we were very organized in the way we pulled it off. And we actually managed to make the field work for us. But then at that time, after we were done with the event, we kind of knew that we we're going to have to do something about it because it was getting to the point where, like, you know, more pilots would have been really, really difficult, especially more pilots or even more spectators would have been really difficult to pull it off at that field. So we finally were able to get um, to be able to do it at our, our own field, uh, which was only about three miles away from that other field. And the reason why we never did it there to begin with is because it was city-owned property. It still is city-owned property, and the city had very strict sort of guidelines to for us to use that field. We had to have, like, notarized waivers releasing the city from, you know, any sort of, like, liability when it came to flying these things or possibly getting injured with them and stuff like that. So it took a lot to be able to to get the city to allow us to use that field for, for our own events. And thanks to our club president, James Sestola, he did a lot of work in trying to make that happen. We got we got the approval from the city to do it at our field, and that's 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 where we actually did it this past year, um, you yeah. know, last weekend. And, uh, you know, then once again, a, a little bit of skepticism on my behalf when it came to how much we promoted it because – you, you know, the field was much bigger in terms of parking space and more room for, for safety, for flight line and tents and everything else, but it wasn't as long. So it wasn't capable of, you know, allowing us to put as many flight stations. But we pulled it off. I mean, it worked out great. We had 281 registered pilots at the peak of the day Saturday. I think I was told by the guys that were handling the parking that we had almost 1,000 cars parked there. So we had a lot of spectators, a lot of pilots, and, uh, yeah, everything came out just great, great. I had, like, you know, it's pretty difficult to do an event like this and not have any sort of criticism, but, like, I really didn't have any. Like, I, everybody was really, really happy with the whole thing, with the way everything was arranged, the way we handled, you know, the, the flight line. You know, I even put a uh, – um, it occurred to me that we needed to have some sort of safety barrier of some sort, so – after visiting, you know, going to Europe on multiple events and seeing that those guys over there use safety netting and stuff, it occurred to me that we could have a safety net. Of course, sure. we couldn't get the safety net in the U.S., but we were able to get some sort of fencing and stuff that we put around the center stage area for the noontime demos and stuff. Just, you know, it obviously doesn't protect 100% in any way, shape, or form, but it, it does help a little bit if, you know, if there's some, something flying in the way of spectators and stuff like that, so... But, yeah, we, we had a great time. Everything came out perfect. We had re- pretty good weather. Um, I mean, it, it was it was great. Everybody enjoyed themselves. I mean, Pinion, Pinion was there doing his thing. and mm-hmm. Yeah, it was great. It was a great time. So what I liked about uh, the videos that I saw, Bert, is you had a cool little segue with you there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to explain the whole story about the new Segway deal. Not worth getting into it. But, uh, yeah, we ended up getting a couple of them, one for the club person and one for myself. And, you know, in previous years, you know, you, you end up doing so much walking up and down the flight oh, line. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. You just you, you get so worn out, like you're destroyed at the end of the day. And uh, that thing helped a lot. Uh, we could move really quickly and do whatever we needed to do. And, you know, I was running around all day, just making yeah. sure it was running smoothly and kind of yelling at people here and there to make sure they were doing what they were supposed to do and just, just making sure everything was running smoothly. And and, uh, and that helped That helped a lot. But, uh, yeah, it, it, 
like Pinion made a comment earlier before we, we went online, uh, he, he made a comment that it, it does, it's more enjoyable to go to another fun fly for me. Yes, it is. Like I had a lot of fun and it was cool and everything, but for me, it's, it's more work than fun. You know what I mean? Like, right. it's just, it's, it, it, people don't understand how much planning and how much work goes into putting something like this together. I can and, only imagine. And of course, it's a group effort. I mean, it's it's a bunch of us making it happen, but it's it's hours and hours and hours and hours of of work. So, so I would imagine over the course of the three days of the event, you saw some pretty spectacular flying. Is there any one thing that kind of stands out in your mind as as probably the neatest thing you saw over the weekend? What did stand out to me. It's the fact that I think this was like the fun fly. Like this is probably in the last, I'm not kidding you, five years, probably the fun fly where I've seen the most amount of crashes. Like there were crashes and crashes and crashes and like the noontime demos. Like I'm not kidding you. Nine out of 10 pilots crashed. It was ridiculous. Like it was either like, you know, somebody hitting the tail on the ground because they went too low to like a massive explosion because something failed in the air. Oh, no. To like uh, to it's because I mean, Kenyon it, was egging them on. That's all. Yeah, <laughs> Lord. Lord. yeah that it, it was it was crazy. It was just like crash after crash after crash. So it was a lot of a lot of entertainment for the crowd. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I did see that. I did see the pinion crashed even. Oh, did he? Yes. Yeah, opinion crashed. Yes, it wasn't that bad. Was oh, bad. yeah, I saw the video on the heli freak threat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, you could see it coming, couldn't you, Bert? You're like, please, more negative, more negative. So, bam. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it looked I like learned. fun. Yes, it was my first tandem crop circle attempt. Nice. I also enjoyed your interview with Chicken Wing. That was cool. Yes, that, that little man's <laughs> got a lot of anger. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> very angry man. Yes. But uh, I told Dan and them before we uh, we got on the air the, that I had kind of egged him on the night before with uh, some SMS messages and pictures. So he, 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 he was showed, pretty wound up. Yeah, he, he showed me the videos that yes. you were sending him privately. Uh, yeah, yeah, that night uh, was it Kenny Kenny Johnson I think. He, he showed yeah. me his, and he showed me the picture that the uh, chicken wing had sent back. I said, "Man, that dude's about to have a stroke. We better stop messing with him." He was so red. <laughs> you know, he uh, he's the funniest guy, dude. He, he like yes. he could laugh. He could pass out from laughing. I've never met anybody in my life that can actually pass out. He can literally pa- like he stops breathing when he laughs so hard. He'll stop breathing <laughs> and he'll pass out. Yes. Like I swear, it's just the funniest thing. Yeah, <laughs> like a fainting goat or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Bert, uh, next year I'm assuming same field. Yeah, definitely. Have definitely. Yeah, we we uh, you know after running it this year, we, we we we're pretty confident that the field is capable of supporting you know more pilots. I mean, I don't know, you know, it's it's very hard to quantify how many more, but I'm sure that we can definitely that field is definitely more than enough for us for the next two three years for sure. Um, you know, I wouldn't hesitate to say that we can squeeze another hundred pilots in there, no problem. I mean, we 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 had nine flight stations, and and the last two weren't being utilized as much as they could have, um, which I understand because they were pretty close to the tree. So the, the 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 amount of room to fly at the end flight stations wasn't as as good as the, the the amount of room you'd have from the other seven stations. But nonetheless, I think that the most that you will wait would be like for a couple of pilots ahead of you. I mean the 
the deepest that I saw like people waiting was like two pilots ahead or something like that. So, you know, a three pilot deep sort of like wait wasn't that bad. I mean, Urcha it could be far worse than that. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah, I think well, you know, opinion always too. gets in line behind the electric helicopters. Yes. Yeah, exactly. That's what you need to do. Just find the electric ones. <laughs> Get and, and, them. and there's yes. and there seem to be more electric ones than nitro. Like you know, I was told well, there's still a lot of nitro, but not really. I mean, if you, if you think about it, most of the nitro machines, most of them, not all, but most of them were flown by the sponsor, sponsor guys. Like if you, if you if you actually go back and look at that field at the peak of the day Saturday, you'd see more electrics flying than nitros. You know? Yeah. So yeah, exactly. You wait what four minutes, five minutes, and and then another five, and then you fly. But but you know that was kind of like at the peak of the day. It you know. Earlier or later in the day, there was virtually no weight, um, especially if you walked a little bit towards the end of the field, you know, second to yes. last fly station. And even waiting in line, you got to meet some pretty cool people that you might not otherwise, you know, get a chance to talk to uh, while you're waiting to fly. So that was kind of interesting. Yeah, well, the social also, aspect would be pretty yes, cool. Yes, you get to socialize yeah. a little bit. So that was that's not the problem. That's always been the point of an event, right? I mean, yeah, you go to you go to the event to fly. That's that's true. But then on the other hand, the way I look at it is, you go to meet new people, you go to socialize, you go to learn more about what you're doing, learn new moves when you're flying, learn new setup techniques, uh, see new products, uh, have fun. So it, yeah, I mean, the flying, in my opinion, it's sort of in a way, sort of secondary when you're at an yeah. event. You know? Yeah, just part of it kind of deal, yep. New plan for Saturday night, Bert. Have the wing house girls bring all the chicken wings out. Let's eat at the field. That's a great idea. Uh-huh. Yes. That's, and also, not, that's not a bad idea. Yes, and we <laughs> eat, and then we uh, do the night flying. As, uh, that way everybody doesn't have to drive all the way over there to the, you know, to and, the and wing you, house. And, and, you know, the night flying, the night flying, wasn't as organ- uh, the night flying wasn't really even planned. The night flying was basically Bobby Watts who made a comment to me um, you know, literally a few weeks, couple, two, three, four weeks before the event and said, dude, we need to do a night fly. And, you know, at the time I was so overwhelmed with all the other stuff, making sure that we had the right sponsorship going, like the right sponsors going, that we had all the prizes that we needed for the donations that all the pilots were, you know, pre-registered, taken care of and everything else. And I kind of blew Bobby off. And then when, um, when Bobby showed up, he's like, dude, we have to do it. We have to do it. So I'm like, dude, I have no time to rig my helicopter. So I was like, give me a helicopter and I'll do it. So Bobby took one of my Velocity 90s and he actually literally did everything. Like he rigged it. He put the lights. He put the Talcon unit in it, like charged it, made sure it was ready to fly. And like nice. that's how we pulled it off because I literally would have had no time to do that. It could be so cool if we had a, a more organized night fly. Because, for example, like when we go to Rochester, the fun fly up there that Ray Stacy puts together, you know, the night flying there is it's off the hook. It's like dude, it's like fireworks, just like we fly the helis literally into the fire, like it's the most fun thing ever. But you know, it, it takes it takes more money to make that happen, of course. I mean you can blow several thousand dollars in fireworks mm-hmm. and it takes a lot more planning to make it happen. So it's another layer of planning and more stuff to do, which I love to do, but I, I need to make sure that I have the resources, the human resources to make it happen. Um, and also the financial resources, because we might probably need to have a sponsor for the night fly that can help us, you know, uh, subsidize the cost of, you know, the fireworks or whatever it is, you know. So, but that would be really cool if we could do that. That would be really, really cool. Yeah, that's that's incredible. The, the, the night flying is is really something else. So 
I would like to, we need to talk a little bit about, of course, uh, it's not new news at this point. Uh, a lot of people have heard about it, but you now are flying for outrage. That's yeah. outrageous. That is outrageous, Bert. Yeah. Yeah. Um, started formally on December 1st. Uh, been talking to those guys for a long time since uh, probably about a month after I left my previous job. Um, it all started on a trip to Switzerland. Um, and I kind of made a blog sort of post on my website about it, but basically when my wife and I kind of quit our previous job, we already had the commitment to go to Switzerland for this fun fly. And, uh, so we already kind of forked out over $2,000 in tickets to go there. You know, at this point we're unemployed, we have no jobs, nothing, you know, just kind of surviving on the smack talk stuff and some of the on the site type of it work that I do occasionally. So we were kind of thinking, well, we have two choices. We either like literally just forget about the two grand we spent on the tickets because, you know, those things are not non-refundable. So we either lose our money and just call it a day or we take our chances and take a little bit of money out of our savings and, and go and see if anything comes out of it. And, uh, you know, and usually European fun flies are a little bit more commercialized than American fun flies. And there's more people there that that are more involved with you know, manufacturers or, you know, just businesses in general. Like, it's almost like you have a little bit more of a chance to, like, I don't know, make new, you have more opportunities. Contacts, yeah, connections or contacts or more opportunity to kind of see if there's anything available out there, you know? And, uh, and so when we got there, we, we went to, uh, we, we arrived in Switzerland and and, uh, I, I hung out with Tarek and we, I think we talked about this on a previous show. I hung out with Tarek for a few days ahead of time before the fun fly. And Tarek happened to be with Steve, one of the owners of Outrage. And, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, Dan, we talked about it. I flew Tarek's Velocity 90. And, yeah. and, you know, I got to, we talk about the product and all kinds of stuff. And, you know, soon, soon after my arrival back in the U.S., I got sort of a, an offer from Outrage. And, uh, uh, I sort of basically told him, look, I, I'd love, you know, I appreciate the opportunity. I want to, uh, I, I'm definitely going to consider it, but I really can't say anything until I try the machines. So they sent me a, a Velocity 90, which I put together. And uh, actually my buddy, Sean, oh, talk, well, we'll talk about Sean later. I just thought of something. But anyway, my buddy, Sean, kind of helped me. We put it together and we went out to the field. And, yeah, I found a few things here and there that I wasn't too happy with. But I, I did see a lot of potential. And, uh, you know, after literally over a month of talking back and forth and exchanging ideas and, and, and seeing how I could contribute to the company and see how much leverage I would be allowed within the company and seeing how we could work together and, and you know, in the best interest, interest of the company, I, I, I sort of basically made the decision because I, I was – I'm still to this day just thrilled to 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 have joined Outrage because I think this is just a great opportunity to make some drastic changes for them and make the company and the product better. So I see this as a huge challenge and as a, a really good way to contribute and and make you know Outrage as a whole a better a better product. And you know, of course, there are people there that that are actually working very hard to make that happen. So it's, it's it, I can't say that. Just because of me, they're going to be better. But, you know, I see that there's a lot of potential there. They've made a lot of changes. They've gotten rid of a few people. They've brought some new people in. It seems like the people that are there now, everybody has a pretty good chemistry going on and the willingness to to, to fix a lot of stuff. So 
I'm pretty excited yeah. with it. I think it's just going to be a great, a great future with them. Um, and of course, at this point, you know, it's not even worth talking about the past. But I've had a couple of little issues, you know, in the last couple, two, three years, just bat luck in general with some of the decisions I've made. And uh, so I took my time to think about this and carefully evaluate it. And I'm looking forward to this being a long-term relationship with them. So. Public service announcement from Save the Fly Bar. Don't let these fly bars sit in the cold, damp corners of your garage to rust or be sent to the junkyard for melting away for plank parts. Every day, the number of fly barless units increases dramatically, leaving fly bars to squander away into obscurity. Not to mention the fly bar paddles. Carbon, plastic, and all of those KBDD paddles hoping to fly another day. It takes a little for you to become a special friend of the fly bar. For just 75 cents a day, you could save a fly bar somewhere across the nation. As a sponsor, you could exchange photos and letters from all the happy children currently flying their flight bar helis. So come on, pick up the phone. Call 1-800-SAVE-FLY-BAR. Thank you for your time and consideration. Save the fly bar now. I spent a lot of time, Bert, in uh, the Heli Freak chat room, and, and certainly that's just a very, very, very teeny segment of what I like to call the vocal minority. <laughs> and um, yeah, you know, there's I'm I'm not gonna you know I'm not gonna lie to you. There there seems to be a bit of uh, well, hatred might be a strong word, but I think you understand what I'm getting at. Yeah, uh, yeah. People, you know, I know because I've talked to you and I know that this wasn't just a fly by night decision. I mean, you hinted at it to me quite some time ago. Obviously you couldn't give me any details. So I know you thought this is this, this thought process happened over a long period of time. It wasn't just like, a, Oh, someone's throwing me a deal. Okay. I'll take it. But the point is, is you get a lot of people that I guess kind of get the wrong impression and I, you know, outrage kind of has, I don't know. People are kind of looking negative with a negative impression people have, I guess, of outrage. What do you what do you say to those people? I mean, or do you do you even worry about that kind of stuff? You know, I, I've learned to desensitize myself to a lot of that stuff because, you know, over time, uh, when you start doing this stuff in this hobby, you know, the industry is so small and people like to talk so much. It's just it, it's it's sometimes it's I mean, it's indeed sad, but sometimes it's almost like beyond comprehension how some people can talk so much negative yeah, you got anything else about... better to do than that you know yeah yeah, yeah mm -hmm. and and you know 
it's not even worth getting into some of the things that happened in the past. But, you know, I think it comes from, you know, the, the, the recent times and, 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 and my previous employment and stuff like that. And, you know, a, a lot of this, a lot of stuff has, has been said that uh, that's obviously not true. There's a lot of rumors just circulating mm-hmm. everywhere. And, you, you know, uh, it, it's just not even worth talking about that. You know, I, I honestly wish um, those guys the best of luck. Um, you know, uh, they have some pretty good projects in the works and, and I know they will be successful and, and I wish them the best luck. And, um, you, you know, there's so many different, uh, people that are just not happy about me having left, uh, you know, my, my previous employer. And, and, uh, and I think a lot of that stuff derives from that, but, but, you know, the bottom line is, is, is just, uh, like I said, you know, I, I, I have my own reasons and, uh, and, and, uh, you know, whether people approve of those reasons or whether people know what the reasons are and they can speculate whatever they want. The bottom line is I am kind of saddened by the fact that, uh, you know, while I was there, I, I, I would have had the chance to work with Charlie, um, back in those days. And, uh, I, I think Charlie's a great guy. He has a pretty good product in store for, for everybody. You know, some things that I sort of regret in the sense that, you know, I, I wish some things would have been different, but, you know, I kind of moved beyond that and, and I and, and I'm actually back at doing what I love to do, which is which is work with helicopters, and and you know I have that opportunity now. And and, and again, a lot has been said. And yeah, yeah. believe me, believe me, because I can tell you with all honesty. I mean, I've been doing this thing for many many years, um, and, and and I still walk around with my chin way up high because you know I, I know that <laughs> most of the stuff that I hear is just nothing more than just right. just. Just rumors that people like to start just to start stuff. But, you know, it's, it's not happening just with me or with outrage. It happens with everything else. Everybody, it's, just, it, it, it's almost like at some point or another, somebody's going to be the subject of some sort of criticism. You know, I was, uh, you know, give you a quick example. You know, Bobby Watts resigned from miniature aircraft. You know, there were already rumors on Run Rider that, you know, he was about to quit or he had quit. And I don't even know how the hell that got out there because I know that Bobby's extremely discreet with what he does. And, you know, it, it only takes a little bit of speculation. People are saying, well, Bobby's going to go with Bert. No, no, he's not. Um, <laughs> I can tell you that right now. You know, just people just enjoy talking, I guess. And just, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. just. It's like our hobby's version of TMZ. Or, yeah. Like people or something. people yeah. magazine. Yeah. <laughs> it's like people go out there. Do something that is lucrative, like go fly, crash a helicopter, yeah. learn to wrench. I don't know, learn a new maneuver or something. Go and have some yeah. drinks. Just don't, well, you know, don't speculate. You know, it's not worth it. I agree, and I think uh, you know the past is in the past. So let's talk about the future. Let's uh, yeah. let's talk about what it is. What are you doing for Outrage, and where do you? What is your position? Where do you fit in at Outrage? You know, my main role is going to be to take care of uh, mostly just providing a lot of feedback about everything, um, ranging from uh, the marketing to the R&D stuff to the design itself to the team pilots to literally a little bit of everything. Um, you know, my role before was more of a strictly sort of a product developer, the other company. My, my primary role here is more of a marketing role and, you know, flying and promoting. And, of course, uh, as a uh, sort of, Part of this package, you know, I get I have the ability to make recommendations about, you know, potential fixes to existing problems and, and possibly even be involved with design as well in the near future. Um, even though I'm not really designing anything today, um, that is going to inevitably happen in the next several months. 
football. You're involved with the team pilots that are currently involved with Outrage. Do you see a shakedown coming down the line, or what are your thoughts on the current the, the current team pilot? I mean, that's one thing that I'm supposed to do is um, basically make suggestions and recommendations to either add people or get rid of people or whatever. I haven't had enough time to really get familiar, just familiarize myself with everybody that's on the team. I mean, there's a lot of reps out there, a lot of pilots. Um, so it's not something that I can kind of do overnight. But, uh, you know, to give you an example, everybody that was in Orlando, you know, seemed to be doing great. You know, there's pretty good chemistry in the team. Um, you know, there were some uh, issues that our race had in, 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 in the past where, you know, there were some uh, – people that didn't get along and, you know, just basic drama and stuff like that. And, and, and that's, that's gone. You know, they've, they've made some changes to their, their, uh, their team in the past year or whatever. And, and, uh, and everybody that's there, at least from what I've seen so far. And again, it's early to tell cause you know, it'll take me several different trips, several different events to get a better feel for how the team is, is getting along and how, how well they're representing and how, committed they are to the brand and everything else but from what i've seen by going to orlando and, and the people that were there they're they're all getting along great and they're doing a good job so you know outrageous problems come from a variety of reasons i mean of course it's not even worth getting into but but my main goal is to 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 get rid of all the problems that they have and and it's it's very doable it just it just needs to be done and uh, that's my goal my goal is to have all these little issues rectified ASAP. I mean, we're talking a handful of months. I expect all issues to be gone, literally. I mean, yeah, it's cool that you're it. involved with that, Bert. You know, I think it's a – sometimes, you know, you get into something that's, you know, from maybe a business or organizational perspective, and it just can happen in any industry really where things will just kind of go in one direction for so long that things just start to become, frankly, kind of stale. And sometimes you got to interject something different to kind of mix it up and just kind of – I don't know, throwing a little bit of a spark or something unexpected. Um, yeah. So yeah. I think that's in, that's that's interesting that you're involved with that because, uh, you know, I think that you you would be able to provide that for sure. Yeah, and, and and you know it, it's it's uh, it's one of those things where, you know, there's there's a lot of people out there having pretty good luck and success with their RH helis, and there's some people out there that are experiencing a lot of problems, and you know it's one of those things where like. I'm now in the process of really evaluating carefully to see why the people that are having problems are having problems. And, you know, obviously that comes from a multitude of different reasons, but the goal is just to kind of sort of attack those problems and, and rectify them SAP and, and have some bug free, trouble free models, uh, you know, within the next literally three months or so, three to six months. Um, and then of course, new, new models will come out in the future that, that will be, you know, pretty, pretty good from the ground up. There's, there's a lot of, a lot of changes being made right now as we speak, uh, within the company, um, that, that are going to bring a lot of positive things. So it should be cool. Well, Bert, it's just fascinating to me, uh, yeah. to, to know that things are changing there. Yeah. Bert, you know, you do know that I have a fusion, right? Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. That's so, the that remains of a well, fusion. Yeah. You have parts <laughs> of the fusion, I guess. The remains. So I can yes. put back together. The remains. Yeah, I, I was just gonna. I was just gonna. I was gonna compliment uh, Fusion on its crashability. It uh, seems to hold up pretty well to not only guide wires that are like in the middle of the air, but to foot stomping. Because uh, apparently Rob did a, f a few of those. 
when it was on the ground. Uh, you, you know, the but, Fusion The Fusion is a nice machine. Like, the Fusion, you know, from what I've been gathering, and, you know, I started doing all my research, you know, soon after I received my offer from them because I wanted to know what people's perception was. So, you know, when you work for somebody, you're really, like, when I was working at my previous employer, like, I wasn't, I never even paid attention to outrage. Like, I'm not saying it in a bad way, but you know what I mean? Like, once you're somewhere, you're somewhere, you dedicate your life and, right. you know, yeah. entire time to that so you know i lost a lot of track about what was happening with the line i really didn't follow outrage i didn't follow anything but so i started doing some research and you know i, I you know even though there's a couple of still issues pending with the fusion i mean that thing is it's it's a pretty solid machine um there's no issues with it the the only remaining issue that i know off that that's happening to some people is the main gear stripping and that's already being addressed within the next few weeks i think four weeks we're going to have a cnc main gear available for it and i think the gear is actually going to ship with the new kits nice. um and it's going to be a very strong gear and then in addition to that there's going to be a slant cut main gear as well that's going to be that's, sold as an optional that's part cool. yeah yeah that's cool to see that coming i know a lot of people have been talking about it when i built it i was like well man i've got the uh, the bevel cut on my x5 it's the same mod and i'm going can i can i swap these i'm like no no it wouldn't fit but so that's really cool the the fusion's doing that i mean when i put this one together um to be frank with you, when I first started putting it together, I'm like, I don't know, man, this is feeling kind of tinkery, right? But once I got the whole frame set put together, everything just made perfect sense, you know? And after crashing the thing, I understand why it was built the way it was built when I put the frame together in the first place. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a good build. And and uh, and the end too, the new nitro that is about to come out, um, that thing is sweet, man. That thing just, uh, that thing came together really well. There's, I don't expect absolutely any issues you know, right off the bat, that thing is trouble-free. It's probably the lightest 600-class nitro that I've ever had. It was definitely less than seven. I think it was like six and a half pounds. Don't quote me for that exactly, but it was very, very light, and it flies really well. I'm really happy with it. So the, the main issue we have to deal with right now is the 90. The 90 has obviously known issues. They're all in the tail, and that's being worked on as we speak. So um, Yes, you have so. to sacrifice a live chicken when you're putting it together. You have to what? You have to sacrifice a live chicken to the heli gods and tighten the screws in a certain order. I fought that tail a few times myself, so I'm glad to hear they're changing. Yeah, it. the whole the whole tail. You know, I really can't say much about it because there's just, there's still a few different options that we're carefully evaluating, but more than likely the whole tail is going to go. So, yes. so we want to have something that is solid that doesn't matter. If your tail blades are not perfectly balanced, if you're, you know, if all the gods and all the stars are perfectly aligned, your tail will not vibrate. And that, that's the goal. That's what we're going to have done. We're going to have it done before you know it. I mean, I'm literally, ta I'm not kidding. I'm, I'm saying, you know, by April, this thing will be available, prob probably even March. So, Bert, what, uh, what helicopters from Outrage do you have in your fleet today? Um, all of the ones that are existing in production right now. I don't have the original 50 because that's being replaced by the N2. So I have an N2, and I have the Fusion, and I have the Velocity 90. Those are really the only three that are in, currently in production by Outrage at this time. So, so lucky. Oh. As, as, you were, uh, as you were building these helicopters and you got a chance to fly them, what stands out as, um, in your opinion as to the strength of an Outrage helicopter? Um, it really depends on the model in particular. Um, the the new 50 N2 Nitro, like I said, the fact that it's very light, 
and yeah. it's very simple to go together. Um, and, and, and for the end user, for the typical sort of pilot, uh, one very attractive uh, point about this helicopter is the fact that the parts are very inexpensive. I mean, they're even cheaper than Alliance parts. So, you know, if you really want a little workhorse type 50 size nitro machine that you can use to beat the crap out of, that you can use to practice and stuff and not be afraid to crash, that's definitely a really good, attractive deal right there. Um, on the 90, I just love the way it flies. Don't ask me why, it just tracks well. It, it Even though it's heavier than a T-Rex 700, it's, it always felt lighter to me in the air. I don't know why. Don't, it, you know, it could have something to do with the bell crank with the ratios or whatever it is, or just the, the sleek profile. I don't know what it is, but it always felt like it flew, like felt more nimble, felt faster, and yet it was, it, it was locked in the whole time. The Fusion, you know, the nice thing about the Fusion is very inexpensive, yet it, it's a very versatile helicopter. You can run any configuration from 6S to 12S. Yeah. You know, you don't have these preset freaking meshes that, you, you know, other manufacturers limit you to just using this pinion with this gear and you have to buy this KDE or this other thing upgrade to adjust your motor mount. Like, you just buy Bert, it. I dig, it. I dig the way the message on this thing because the uh, – the top motor mount and the uh, the third bearing block at the bottom of the motor shaft all mm-hmm. becomes the motor and both of those mounts all become one solid unit and it just slides back and forth like a drawer and then you just wrench yeah. it down done yeah yeah and at first really I was cool. like how am I going to make this mesh right but then when I put it together brilliant yeah yeah, yeah. it it works out well so so all of them have their 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 good things you know good things about them and and of course you know, needless to say in the future we're going to have some really cool really cool sort of like uh, innovative stuff coming along. So so now that we've talked about the, the, the good things that you saw, and you did mention that there are some things that you would like to see different. Can you give us an idea? I know you mentioned the tail, but are there other things that you would like to see different? Um, or is that kind of stuff you need to keep under wraps for now? Yeah, I'd rather keep it under wraps. I mean, there's some things that really, I, I mean, to be honest with you, like other than the, um, I mean, there's a couple of little things here and there that you're like, okay, well, really, why is this like that? You know what I mean? But so mm-hmm. you see that with other machines as well. Right, um, right. You, you know, I can't say that a Velocity 90 is, you know, overall a better machine than any other machine out there because it isn't. You know, I can't lie to everybody out there, but, but you, you know, it has some really good things. And, and, of course, it has a couple of drawbacks that, you know, need to be addressed. You know, I'm, I'm pretty confident that once we get those little things worked out, like 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 the main gear on the Fusion, like the tail issues on the 90 and stuff like that, yeah, they're, they're, they're going to be up to par with mostly every other helicopter with a very attractive price, which is especially for parts, which is which is a, a very good thing when you're buying a machine for practice, you know, and not, not have to be afraid to crash the thing. Um, yes. Design wise, design wise, I mean, there's some really cool design features about them, and there's some other features that you just go like, really, why was this done like that? But but <laughs> Where then did again, they come that, from? That, yeah, but that happens with any helicopter, you know. It, I mean, I don't think there's a perfect machine out there. So no, yeah. the motor mesh, the motor mount on the Gowie 550 carbon fiber. You look at that thing and you scratch your head and you go, really? And I, you know, I'm a Gowie field rep, but still, that's almost an epic fail in that motor mount. I've always been honest about what I do. I, I can't lie to somebody and say, hey, yeah, this is the best machine there is. You know, I, I can't do that. But, uh, but you know, I can it's, certainly help people at least m- make the right decision based on my experience with, with, with these things and, and uh, what works and what doesn't work. And, again, there's things that work well. There's things that don't. It's like anything else, you know. Yeah, it's my All right. opinion so the experience with the helicopter design is that, 
it seems like uh, they go, oh, crap, we've got to put the elevator servo somewhere. It seems like that's always the last thing. <laughs> like, now what? <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It'll be like Edward, Edward Scissorhands to mount it, you know, so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that well, thing sound that we heard from earlier, I did throw in a question if you guys want to. But, uh, you know, I just kind of wanted to say, Bert, I think uh, I'm excited for what Outrage is doing. And I think that, uh, you know, I, I, I've – I've got the Fusion. I've never flown it or seen it, but I've seen pictures of it, and I think it's pretty nice looking. I'm looking forward to flying it, and I'm just—I think that uh, I think they made a step in the right direction. And I'm I'm kind of happy that, uh, that you're getting involved, and and uh, and I wish you the best with that endeavor. Did you um? Did you? Is it fixed, Rob, or not yet? Yeah. Well, yeah. It's 99% complete. There's one or two parts I'm waiting uh, on here, but then we're we're good. So. I thought you had to order a whole kit. Yeah, I might as well have. There's a rekit. Yes, <laughs> pretty close. If you see the parts list I put together for the thing, we're pretty close to a rekit. But I saw that uh, you had that. Uh, I was actually listening um, earlier today to that uh, podcast you guys did with Courtney. I thought that was pretty cool. It's uh, it's cool that you guys bring in um, just you know just normal people. Like you yeah, know, the, the pro thing is cool because I know a lot of the guys want to learn. Some things here and there, but uh, it's always cool to just talk to just just normal people that you know go to the field and share experiences together and stuff like that. I thought it was pretty cool. That was really yeah. nice. Of you. Yeah, yeah. She's she, she was an excellent interview, and we hope to have her on the show again. So let's let's uh, let's talk about the the goblin relationship. I mean, there seems to be quite a bit of confusion. Um, you know, birds flying the goblin, and well, now he's flying for outrage. That must mean outrage owns goblin or you know, Goblin, why are they telling us they're made in Italy when they're actually made in an outrage plant? Can you kind of shed some light on all that? Yes, Bert, please clear the air here. Uh, yeah. clear, the, clear the air, man. The mic is yours. Let us know about it. Tell us what it's I don't. I, I, I know that there's a clear relationship, and there's no denying that. I mean, think about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Goblin canopies are made by Canamot. Canamot is owned by the same people that own Outrage. Goblin tailbooms are made by Canamot, same people that owns Outrage. Um, and Heli Direct, which is the exclusive retailer, I guess you could say, of the Goblin in the U.S., is owned by the people that own Outrage. Um, does that mean that the Goblin is made by Outrage? Really? I mean, it, it, that's the thing that <laughs> really drives me insane. Yeah. Oh, people can draw these conclusions. Yeah, you know, right. Exactly. There, there's relationships everywhere. You know, you have exclusive distributors like, for example, Ready Heli carrying the logos. Like, um, you know, Relly Heli doesn't make Mikado helicopters, <laughs> right? But but they do correct exactly, and 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 but they work together on a lot of projects. It's yeah. like Empire Hobby, Jack Burnside being the exclusive for Gowie, I believe, and maybe yeah. he's not. Is he he is. Is, so yeah, well there you go. And I I know Jack, uh, I know Jack personally. I know I I don't know him very well, but I know that Jack has been involved in working certain things with Gowie. Does that mean that? You know, Gowie is manufactured by, you know, Empire RC. No, if, if if Jack owned a company that made helicopters, does that put that company automatically, you know, being the manufacturer of Gowie or vice versa? Not really. I mean, really? You know what I mean? Like Part of the supply uh, chain, Bert. Part of the supply yeah, chain. That's all it is. Yeah, there's a relationship clearly between the outrage family, I guess you could say, of companies and NSAB. Um, I think this all comes, and I'm just speaking my heart out. I think this all comes from the fact that Tarek and I are both outrage pilots, 
and we both fly the goblin. Um, but it's just, it's obviously, uh, uh, it's really not a coincidence. It's, it's just how things worked out because when I, when I went to Switzerland, um, and, and I met with Tarek, he actually got his first goblin while I was there and he was flying it and stuff. And we went to a field outside the, the main fun fly field and he let me fly the goblin. He's like, you need to try this. And that's, I think there's a video that was done by the pitch brothers. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this little field where I'm flying the goblin, that was Tarek's goblin. That was his first goblin. Um, well, I spoke with those guys at SAB, and they actually told me, we want you to help us test this thing and, and sort of get on board with us. And I was thrilled to do it. Like, I thought I was very intrigued because it was the most unique, weird helicopter I've ever seen. And I, and I loved how it flew. So, I, you know, I wasn't sponsored by any helicopter manufacturer. So I was like, sure, of course I'll do it. And, uh, you know, of course, there's no conflict right now for a lot of reasons. You know, again, HeliDirect distributes the helicopter in the U.S., and HeliDirect is associated with Outreach very closely. Will things change in the future when the Fusion 90 comes out? We'll have to wait and see. There's a yeah. possibility. You know what I mean? Because now things will get into a conflict there. But, you know, manufacturers, you know, I've, I've worked with many. This is the third manufacturer I work with. I worked with miniature aircraft from 2004 until 2007. And then I worked with a line from 2007 to 2000, end of 2010. And I know how the manufacturing process works. I don't care what anybody says. You cannot make 100% of everything in-house. There's no such thing. That's impossible. Yeah. Even, mm-hmm. a, even a line themselves. A line has ridiculous manufacturing capabilities more than anybody else. And even a line uses outside vendors for a lot of their, their parts, their products. With that being said, SAB is getting parts from all over the place. It's, it's not coming from the outrage plant. It's coming from a lot of different vendors. A lot of the parts are made in Italy. Some parts are made in Asia. It depends on the part. I know, for example, the main gear that's delaying the release is made in Italy, and it's actually a very complex sort of like hybrid process between molded and CNC type thing that costs a lot of money and takes a lot of time to make happen, and it's made in Italy. So they make, you know, their parts are made all over the place. So the rumors about, like, all this being made by Outrage at the Outrage factory are absolutely false. That's right, all I can right. say. Yeah. So, yeah. Kenyon, I need to get you on Smack Talk, dude. Yeah, no problem, my friend. I'm not camera shy. And if My episode get... will sell for five ninety nine. <laughs> I need to have like I need to have like pinion with like chicken wing and like Rick like all together in one scene. Hey Bert, actually yeah, you know yeah. what that uh, that brings up something here. Uh, one of our Facebook users, uh, Alex, I'm gonna Bert, I'm gonna totally botch his last name, Kosheskow or something. Alex says, can you ask about the absence of Ray's Doc Wing and Brother Rick's learning the ways segments? I know they have caused some controversy, but a lot of guys really enjoyed the humor. Um, so uh, what's the word on that? We'll, we'll bring him back. We just, uh, you know, it was a combination of a lot of things. You know, first of all, those guys, I, I kind of got started to feel bad about, like, consistently asking them to, like, help out and help out. And, and yeah. uh, you, you know, uh, Ray Chicken Wing himself, he lives in Florida during the winter months. And then he goes back to New Jersey to do his work there during the summer months. So, you know, it's, like, impossible to really, like, be one-on-one with them. You know what I mean? But, you know, no, they'll, they'll come back. They're not gone. They're just they're just on a sabbatical right now. You know, <laughs> the, the, the problem with these guys, man, is they just get – they get wild. So uh, some people – it's either a love or hate relationship. Some people love them. Chicken wing needs a colon, 
Chicken wing needs a colonoscopy. <laughs> Chicken wing needs, needs fiber, like you say. Yes, there's fiber. something jammed up in there. I know there is. Yes. Uh, I got one more question here for you guys. We've got uh, one from a gentleman, Clifford Mould. He's one of the uh, uh, one of the fans of the show. It says, having crashed my Ravy NV twice, I've lost my bottle a bit. So what's the best way to push past that and get back to throwing it around again? I'm gathering lost my bottle means he's lost his nerve. What's the best way to get over something like that when you start to get uh, stick shy? It, it's so hard to answer that question because it depends on how he crashed. Did he crash because he dumb-thumbed it or does he, did he crash because he had a failure? You know, if he dumb-thumbed it, the answer is easy. You know, get a cheap helicopter that you're not afraid to crash and uh, just just keep on doing it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, crashing a Ray VMV can be expensive, and I could see why oh. you would get discouraged. But, you know, get get something as stupid as an MCPX, literally. I mean, just, just you know, the best freaking helicopter you can have to try experiment with new stuff. Just get used to hitting the throttle hold, and you'll never hurt it if you fly it on grass. Um, you know, and that, that'll, uh, without a doubt, build up your confidence. If it's, oh, sure. uh, yeah, if it's electronics failure or some other type of failure, uh, I, I sympathize with you because I know that could be very frustrating and it could be very difficult to kind of, you know, get past that, but you, inevitably you have to trust your machine. So, yeah. you know, if it's, if it's, uh, if it's an electronics problem, you know, there's really not a whole lot I can tell you other than just. Give it a shot again. Try to keep the helicopter high. You know, many, many flights. You know, over time, you know, five, six, eight, ten, twelve flights, you're gonna gain confidence on the machine again. So. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, and actually, that's a good segue. One other, uh, one of the other guests. There's only just one or two more of these, but uh, a gentleman, Mark Russell, says, "I've only been flying for a short time, only a year. Uh, what is, in your eyes, the best training routine?" He says, "I've got all your DVDs. I can fly completely, figure eights and loops and rolls, etc. But I'd like some advice from the best on how to get past that." That's a good, that's a good question. The same thing I tell everybody, and I've said it on the Smack Talk series. I've said it on my Learning 3D series DVD. Stick to stick to a routine. You know, if you're trying to learn 3D, go the the chapters that I have on the Learning 3D series. You know, and start with the basics, and just don't even think about moving to the next level until you've mastered that level. See, the the thing is, it's just it sucks because it's not fun to do. You know, every time you sort of like try to have a system with a lot of discipline to learn this stuff. It just takes all the fun away. Yeah. But it's the only way. It's literally the only way. And as long as you have some sort of plan, like say you go, say that you say that you're the typical person that flies, say two two times a week, and say that you fly five or six flights every time you go out there. Out of the six flights, make three flights where you're doing nothing but focusing on what you need to learn. And then the other three flights, just screw around with the heli, do whatever you want to do. But find that that balance where, you know, half the time you're out there, you're actually literally practicing something that you're going to learn. And then the rest of the time, you're just having fun and doing your figure eights that you're comfortable with. But, you know, the bottom line is the, 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 the bottom line is you have to put yourself in an uncomfortable situation to be able to learn. Um, you know, if, if everything you do all the time is stuff that you're used to doing, you're never going to learn anything. You have to be uncomfortable to be learning, learning something. Yeah, I agree, Bert. And, you know, I think it kind of those last two uh, listener questions almost are related because I know for me, just like the second guy, I was kind of in a rut, but it was because I was afraid to crash. Actually, I was afraid to pay for fixing my helicopter after crashing it. So for me, mm -hmm. just I just started to tell myself, you know what, this thing's going to crash eventually. I'm not going to worry about how much it costs here. I'm just going to fly. And then I would try that. I would put myself out there every now and then and try something just a little bit out of my comfort zone. And now, you know what, my 
my development is quite a bit farther than it has been from just doing that. Inevitably, you're going to crash no matter what. And I understand that some people have more uh, natural, more natural ability than others. There's no question about that. But then on the other hand, everybody's capable of learning and being as good if you if they dedicate themselves to it. And with yeah. that being said, you know, if, if you if you're afraid to crash, the first thing you got to do, because you've had too many crashes, first, first thing you got to do is you got to just sort of stop and think about why you're crashing. You know, are you crashing because you're leaving your comfort zone too much? Are you crashing because you're trying to skip ahead several different steps in the, in the natural progression of your learning curve? Are you yeah. crashing because your machine has issues? Are you crashing because you have other things going through your mind that are worrying you and you're not focusing on the fine? Just, just stop for a second, take a pause, and think about why you're crashing. If you're crashing because you, there's always a solution, if you're crashing because you're skipping ahead, don't do it. Just, just find that logical again. There's a logical progression to 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 improving your your flying skills. You know, you can't just be learning figure eights and all of a sudden jump into you know pure writing flips because you're going to crash. There's just no way you're going to pull it off. Find that sweet balance between putting yourself out of your comfort zone, but yet also flying your comfort zone enough. So do half and half, and you know, putting yourself outside your comfort zone again. Do it with a reason. You know. Yeah, Try to find that yeah. spot where you know you naturally progress from your figure eights to your backwards to your inverted, to your inverted backwards to your hover tail and the nose and and so forth. We got one more question from uh, one yeah. more of our listeners. Uh, he wants you to tell everybody what you really think about uh, Align as a whole. If their microwaves are worth a shit, if the girls at the Align Fun Fly are really girls, the real story. <laughs> nice. That's a question that's more suitable for Alan Zabel himself, but uh, uh, I, I, never, I never, I never used, I never used an Align microwave, but uh, they, they're probably good. I don't know, and the girls are definitely real, definitely. <laughs> um, they, there's no question about that. But uh, yeah, I, uh, I have some friends that are into Asian girls, and yeah, yeah, they dig those girls. So yeah, they're, they're real. The girl, the girls are real. Never had an, an Align appliance, but I'm sure they're probably okay. I heard their vacuums really suck. Yes. No, they definitely have to suck. If they don't suck, they're screwed. Wrong. <laughs> so it's official. Burt Cameron says a line sucks. <laughs> oh, God. You're putting it in the mouth. Yeah, a line vacuum sucks. Yes. Yes. You mentioned uh, you mentioned your buddy Sean earlier, and uh, you told me he might be there with you. Yeah, right. he's here. Um, you remember I told you like uh, we were talking the other day, and I asked you if you had watched that movie and stuff. Yeah, uh, the Dolphin's Tale was yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't, I don't, you, I, you, you might remember or might not. Back when you were still doing RC Heli Nation, like version one or whatever, um. I think I made a comment that this buddy of mine was out on the set doing this thing. So you know what? I do remember that actually. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. Hey, hey, Sean, how you doing, man? Good guys. How's it going? Not Good. Too bad. Not too bad. So uh, you fly there with Courtney and Bert, don't you, down there in Florida? Yes, I do. She had a lot of nice things to say about you. She was really uh, kind of expressing her gratitude that you guys kind of you know took her under your wing and helped her out and all that good stuff so that, that was kind of a neat story what was your involvement uh, with the dolphin's tail can you tell us a little bit about that um yeah sure i got a, a phone call from one of the um one of the producers she called me up uh i apologize i can't remember her name right now and if she hears this she's going to kill me she actually just called me about a week ago trying to get some advice on some helicopter stuff that that's all right sean only three people listen to the show so you're good <laughs> nice um <laughs> so after like i i had just gone to work 
for an online helicopter retailer. Um, mm -hmm. I was still under my like 90 day trial period. And um, when I got the first couple of phone calls from them, I kind of thought it was a joke actually, because who calls up a guy like I just moved to this side of the state from the Tampa Bay area. And all of a sudden I get these phone calls from, from the Tampa Bay area saying, Hey, can you come back over here and fly helicopters because we want to feature them in a movie. So I really didn't take it all that seriously for the first two or three phone calls till I started speaking to the, um, a gentleman by the name of Kurt Thorson, who was the head of special effects and props, uh, head of the props department for the Dolphin Town movie. And he invited me to come over there to do a demonstration for Charles Martin Smith, who was the director. Mm -hmm. So hopped in my car, drove over there on a weekend, did some flying in a parking lot, literally just outside of the uh, Clearwater Marine Aquarium. And uh, they kind of like hired me on the spot. So was that like your audition? That was your heli flying audition right there? Yep, absolutely. I went over there with the TX450 Pro, showed them a couple of other helicopters, but they wanted something that I could fly that was electric, that I could fly around inside of the aquarium, which I kind of thought that was nuts, but I was like, yeah, we'll try anything once. <laughs> it kind of went from there. I, I went back to work, spoke to the owners of my company, and they were actually gracious enough to, like I said, I was still under the 90 days of like the trial period because I had just started working there, and they gave me like a, a, a release. They kind of let me time off unpaid and I literally went to go work for a movie company during the duration of the filming. Well, that's not too bad. That was nice yeah, of them to do bad. that for you. Yeah, no, they, they released me from it. It was, it was kind of cool because that way, um, yeah, it kind of delayed. Like, they took vacation days from me to do it. it yeah. uh, and it delayed my getting, you know, full-time employment through them and everything else. But that wasn't really all that big of a deal because I thought, hey, I can help them out. I can bring some of their product into the movie set and maybe get, you know, help promote them which in turn hopefully helps promote me and maybe I can go somewhere with flying. Sure, yeah. so, so, so I thought it would be interesting. I don't want to put you on the spot here, Sean, but I did see, yeah. um, I did see a, a, on the Ready Heli blog, I saw where I, I kind of read through the whole thing and, and they kind of are taking, it seems to me, you know, they didn't even mention your name. Uh, what, what's that all about? Is that something you want to comment on or you just would rather not even go down that road at this point? Um, well, I don't know what like their standard policy is. I, like I said, it was my former company. I no longer work there. All, the only thing I guess I could say is that if you go ahead and you watch the, the closing credits of the movie, um, I don't remember them getting a credit, but my name actually was in the in the closing credits. So yeah. that should yeah. tell you something there. Uh, Sean, Very I nice. got the impression that I get the impression it was your gig, and you asked your work, "Hey, work, I got this gig that just showed up," and your work's like, "Way to go, Sean, have at it." And that's that's how I read it. Yeah, that's kind of how it went down. I don't really want to like, I sure. don't really want to go ahead and you know, I don't want to bash so, anybody. I, again, I wish them nothing but the best. But right, yeah, yeah. So let, let's let's talk about this movie. This is this is a this is a helicopter flyers like this. This is a neat. This is a neat little story. So you you got to go and you. I'm assuming you got to meet some of these stars. Morgan Freeman was in that movie. I actually didn't get to meet Morgan Friedman. I did get to meet Ashley Judd and. Um, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, she's beautiful in person. Let me tell you what, she, uh, you know, I, I've often asked, I ask a lot of the pros and a lot of the accomplished flyers, uh, telling girls that you fly artsy toys, is that, is that a panty dropper? Did, did she seem excited about that? Yeah, not so much. Uh, they were, chasing, <laughs> they were chasing her around the set with a live, uh, Pelican. So she wasn't all about the helicopter at that time. Ah, she wasn't into it. Also, so her, what, uh, her F1 driving husband happened to be there on set at the same time. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, what a block. 
Cockwalker. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so tell us about it. Tell us, tell us, tell us what it was like. I mean, yeah. that's got to be kind of a neat. I know for me, like I get nervous if there's just a couple of guys standing around, but you got all these stars and camera equipment and expensive gear behind the camera, and and here they're yeah, like, okay, was, I'll go fly now. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty interesting because um, uh, I did, I destroyed a couple helicopters there actually. Um, like I said, I, I brought a 450 Pro. I actually borrowed yeah, 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 um, yeah. one of Bert's mine. 450s. I borrowed uh, his wife's 450 <laughs> and took like a bunch of personal helicopters over there so that I had backups. Repeating the same scene over and over and making sure that the helicopter did exactly what they wanted to uh, was – I don't want to say it was tedious, but it wasn't fun. Right. I mean uh, well, there I was a lot they of – They want it same spot on the frame. Okay, do that again. Put it right there. Okay, now put it an inch over. Wait, no. Put it right back there. Oh, it, twi- it bobbled. Yeah. Let's cut. Let's start again. I actually um, – in the course of filming, I actually flew into one of their cameras, and they were – believe it or not, they actually didn't get too upset with me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's because all that stuff's leased, you know. So. Exactly, exactly. There's, there's insurance on that stuff. So I've been told, I've never seen your flying, but I've been told you're a pretty accomplished flyer. Did you compete before you did this? Um, I mean, I was in one of the amateur events at OHB three years ago, I think. But outside of that, no. I mean, at all the local events, if I go to a fun fly and they're having like an auto rotation contest or something like that, of course I jump in just because. Sure. Why not? But uh, no, I haven't been in any like major competitions. So I don't know. The, I, I'm assuming that the. I, it just seems to me that the pressure level must be incredible, even for a guy that would be used to flying these big competitions to all of a sudden be involved. I mean, there's a lot of money on well, and time here. Well, as far as like that stuff goes, I mean, uh, the the stress and the pressure of it, it really wasn't that big of a deal because um, nobody there, they had no concept. They they had sent one of their guys out to buy a helicopter because they were going to try and do it themselves. And one of the local hobby shops over there sold them a Blade um, MCX. Yes. And they were going yes, to try and fly an MCX around inside the aquarium. Uh, the winds the, during the week when I, or a couple of weeks when I was there were, I don't know, 15 to 20. And it was cool. And, yeah, an MCX really would not have done well in that situation. Flying the 450 around wasn't that big of a deal. And, again, most of the people there – um, they kind of gave me the space I wanted. If I said I needed to have everybody on this side of the set move because I needed it, they were pretty accommodating. The only yeah. time it was kind of sketchy was um, there's a scene, if you've seen the movie, where the young boy, he's actually showing his little girlfriend how to fly the helicopter. Um, when I was doing that, they actually had the, the camera on a gimbal directly behind the actors they wanted me to pick the helicopter up in a hover and they only gave me about four feet worth of space between the helicopter and the actors they uh-huh. wanted me to pick the helicopter up into a hover roll it over upside down and then take off and accelerate between the actors that wasn't oh, uh yeah. yeah and i was actually standing probably 15 20 feet back and kind of behind the camera so i couldn't i didn't have a great view of the machine itself yeah. so i ended up uh, kind of passing on that scene a little bit yeah, well, Did, you know, uh, too, you could tell them, you know, in, in real – when I know the movie world is not quite exactly real life, but you could almost say, you know, guys, cool idea, but in real life, nobody that has one of these would actually do that, you know? <laughs> they they did kind of do that. Um, there's a scene where the 450 chicken dances, and it seems to scurry across the parking lot. We actually tied it to a fishing pole and drug it across the parking lot and <laughs> did that multiple times. The like. On scene, the helicopter is crashed. Or, uh, in the movie, the helicopter is physically crashed. It never actually got crashed on camera. We, they actually, <laughs> they had me snap the blades by hand and drop all the stuff down in front of the camera to get kind of that crash look. Oh sure. Yeah. 
Yeah. A, a, a production crash. A perfect a production crash. crash. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm wondering, did you consult your AMA manual before you did these stunts? <laughs> you know, I, I think I left the AMA manual at home that weekend. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm car blanche when you're doing something like that. I, I can see that I, I could, you could picture the scene. You're sitting there talking to these high-powered directors, and you are got your manual open. Yeah, no, guys. I Look, it says right here I can't do that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's actually – I don't know if you've seen the some of the photos that got released to the magazines or some of – I think even Ready Helly had posted them up on their blog. Um, one of the other scenes where I was doing some flying, if – there's one I was actually standing on the crow's nest of a boat out in the middle of the harbor behind the, the Clearwater Aquarium. Um, in the picture, there's a red and black umbrella. And if you look just in front of that, you'll see the little speck on the ground. That was the 450. Uh -huh. So some of the flying, I was having to stand back, you know, 50, 60 yards away from the helicopter and try and hit specific marks over and over again with the machine. So it was kind of it was interesting. It was yeah. definitely interesting. So what does this lead to? I mean, is this is this, you know, you see it more and more and and. Uh, you know, helicopters are becoming more and more mainstream. In fact, tonight I've seen two commercials, Burlington Coat, I believe, uh, <laughs> you know, coaxial helicopters. You, I saw a Heli uh, Horizon Hobby commercial the other night. Yeah. You know, it, it seems to me that the door is being opened to helicopters. Does this mean, I mean, can this lead to something for you? I mean, is there a chance? I mean, obviously you impressed them. They kept you around. Yeah. I've actually talked to a couple of people from the movie since, and, um, I mean, they know that I fly helicopters, airplanes, um, RC cars, boats, all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, if there's anything else, uh, I'm hoping my name's on a short list. Sure. Um, yeah. I've talked to some other people that were from that same from that same area and that same kind of thing where they want the opposite. Instead of the helicopter being on the camera, they want to stick a, a camera on the helicopter. Oh, sure. So sure. on the other side of it, they've also – you know, I've got a couple of people that want to do some aerial photography with it and possibly – you know, there was a couple scenes they wanted to shoot for the movie where they wanted to put a crane and they wanted to try and stretch this across the small harbor behind the aquarium. And I was like, guys, we can strap this to a helicopter. We don't have to close off the harbor. We don't have to worry about blocking off the road. We can shoot this from the machine and yeah. we can put the helicopter wherever you want. Mm -hmm. So the, Hollywood's definitely looking into what we're doing with helicopters. So I don't know. In the future, there might be something else like that coming up. Yeah, yeah. It, it seems to me like, I mean, you know, you've you've kind of got, I guess, what would be the makings of a portfolio. It seems like you might be an op this might be an opportunity for for you to create your own production, aerial production company, or something to that effect. Have you See, thought about something like that? I've thought about it. Um, I'm kind of poor at the moment, so yeah. you you know, if you if something comes up, you could either be the actor vis-a-vis -vis your helicopter on screen. Or you could be the cameraman with experience with you know this hobby and getting into the whole a AP side of it. I mean that's there's a there's a whole other world of this hobby where people are doing the aerial photography. There's production level aerial photography going on with 800 class helicopters at full you know HD cinema grade you know 70 mil cameras and stuff like that. And so I mean that that side of the market might be kind of filled up you know. But to be able to be willing to be in front or behind the camera you know that's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. That's, uh, that's a pretty cool thing. So if there's any listeners out there that are in need of a guy that can fly a helicopter and strap a camera to it, they should, <laughs> yeah, they should get in touch with you. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Let me know about it. Absolutely. Sounds really good. Well, Sean, we really appreciate you uh, you know, coming and hanging out with us. We'd like to get – I know you and Courtney are good friends, right? And uh, I think it would be kind of cool to get you two on the show one time so you can oh, give us all – 
Please. I was just going to say so we can get all of Bert's dirty little secrets. Yeah. Oh, Please don't get those two together on, on the on the show. <laughs> don't do that Come to on. me. Now we yeah. have now we now it's almost a, a yeah. must do now. Yeah. See I mean, now we're gonna do we're gonna do the the roast of Bert Cameron. We're gonna make you get on your two Bert. You can't hang up, and we're gonna oh, get all the be, guys that, you fly with in here. <laughs> that <laughs> could Bert's be so never... that could be so bad. The, the the people that that know me well, like Sean. Sean's a very good friend for for the the past uh, couple of years specifically. We've hang out like literally every day. He's like our uh, he's part of the family. Like he comes out here to our house for dinner every night and. Oh yeah, he knows every little possible negative thing about me. He knows how much I love to drive people crazy. So yeah, if, if, if you if you put that guy with Courtney together, it could be it could be really bad. Oh, it's, it's, well, it's a it's a done deal now. He's it's signed signed sealed and delivered. That that's gonna happen. I'll, I'll tell you where to send the check. <laughs> we'll get Pinion to be the DJ. Nice. Yes, tell us yeah, about Pinion. the essence. Kenyon will Kenyon will send a check to me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be a lot of fun. So, again, Bert, Sean, Pinion, thank you guys for hanging out with us and uh, kind of filling us in on what you guys have been up to. And uh, we look forward to having you on. Of course, you know, Bert, you you are kind of a regular fixture in the show, and we appreciate that. And we'd love to have you back anytime you want to be on. Thank you. Appreciate it. Colin Bell, and you're listening to RC Heli Nation. All right, so that was Bert Cameron with Sean Sullivan and Pinion. What an awesome trio! That was good. That was good. That was I fun. I got to tell you, that was fun to listen to Sean explain that whole uh, whole uh, process. I think. Uh, yeah. Man, that would have been that would have been so fun, but a little on the nerve wracking side. Some of that stuff would have been tough, like having to be like crammed between like the dire- like a camera and some other equipment, and then. It's you, this equipment, and then like twenty feet, and then the helicopter with actors right next to you, like or yeah, like, like right next to the away. helicopter, you know. And they're like, "Okay, make it do this now. Okay, now do that again." Yeah, that'd be kind of a, that'd be kind of tough. And on a side note, we'd appreciate if you don't scar up our actors. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Little do you know. <laughs> right. It's always fun to have Bert on the show. Yeah. He comes on quite often. Uh, He's a good guy. Speaks his speaks his mind. I mean, he he flat out tells us, you know, what he thought. He, you know, he told us what he thought the issues with outrage were, what he hopes to accomplish, and uh, you know, I think he's got his hands full. But I think he's going to do a fantastic job. Yeah, I think so. Um, really looking forward to see what happens with outrage in the upcoming year. Speaking of upcoming year, last show we talked a little bit about the cool things that happened. Last week we talked about some of the cool things that we thought happened in 2011. This week, we're going to talk a little bit about what we think are going to be the cool things of 2012. So predictions, if you will. You can hold our feet to the fire at the end of the year, tell us how full of shit we were, whatever, whatever. <laughs> right. How far off the off the beam we were. <laughs> but I'm going, to, I'm going to go first, and I've got a few things. Uh, I think that the advancement of the power systems we're seeing in these helicopters are such that in the next year, you know, 800s, 14S combinations are going to be more and more mainstream, and I think you're going to start seeing more and more manufacturers come out with these setups. Oh, sure. Sure. I'm sure we will. Yeah. Well, you figure we're getting higher watt chargers. Um, you know, we're getting um, – you're actually able to see, you know, some seven-cell packs out on the market. 
you know, rather than having to, you know, piece together some six cell packs and some two cell packs and stuff like that or whatever. But yeah, you know, I think maybe the 800 class market, but I almost see some some people trying to to squeeze 14 cells into 700 class helicopters too. You know, to see what see what they can pull out of that. But, um, yeah, that's just crazy sick <laughs> I to know. me. But I know another another thing I think is gonna what's gonna happen with all of these entries into the flybarless controller market i mean it's hard to count i mean could you even could you just even sit down and think of all of them that are available today Dude, there's, i mean there's just so there's many a of, ton them. of them yeah. i remember when there was two yeah yeah, yeah. and you know skookum and, and v-bar yeah. yeah i think this year with all of these entries into the market and the extreme lower price of some of these entries uh you know uh rcr diane they're coming out with one it's going to be about 100 bucks mm-hmm uh, Ebar, I don't know if that KDS stuff is any good. That's supposed to be about a hundred yeah, bucks. Tarot stuff, sorry, uh, out. I think you're going to start to see these higher end controller manufacturers. I think they're going to be dethroned a little bit. Do I think they're going away? No, they're not going away. But I think, uh, as Rob and I were talking about it earlier, and Rob brought up the point that it's going to be, they're going to have to start upping their game and coming out with little gadgetry that is just absolutely mind blowing to keep that price up to where it is because there's just going to be so many yeah. controllers that people it's it's going to be extremely affordable for people to get into fly wireless the next thing i think is uh 2012 is going to be the year of the micro helis yeah yeah you know a, lo- a lot of people are flying them now you know you're going to start to see that it's more acceptable for a guy to show up with a fleet of small micro helis and just be one of the guys because they're just so amazing the mcpx so amazing they're capable uh, they're so capable now yeah, it, exactly. you know the sub micro has been around for some time now, but it's because I think because of the sheer size of them, how small they are, scaling yeah. that kind of technology down that far has has been a long time coming, and now now we're here, you know, and I think it's cool. Well, yeah, and the big thing is, is I don't think you're going to hear anymore. We'll wait till you get a real heli. Yeah, yeah. That's I, I don't think that statement is going to be uttered nearly as much in 2012 because let's face it, the MCPX is as real as it gets. I mean, it does everything a big helicopter can do. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, we all know my stance. I don't like them because I don't like small helicopters. I just don't like tinkering with small little helicopters. Yeah, when most of the parts are smaller than your thumbnail, it's it's tough. Yeah. To, yeah, it's tough to work on them. That doesn't mean they don't have their place. I mean, I love to fly my MCPX every Sunday at the at the gym, and um, it's a lot of fun. But when summer's out and about, you will not see me fly my MCPX. I promise you that. Yeah. So those are my big three projections. Just to recap, 14S, 800-millimeter machines, cheaper flybarless units uh, are going to be more mainstream than microhelis. What do you got, Rob? What do you think is going to happen next year? I don't know. I think that we're going to see more um, – we'll see more and more of the uh, – how do I explain it? Like the, uh, I guess, uh, accessorizing or gadget gadgetizing of our fleets – you know, the geeky, the geek, yeah, geekizing our stuff. You know, like we we've seen night flying go from night flying to night choreography, right? Mm-hmm. Um, with the Dalcon that came out, um, epic flights that we've seen on those things, especially when it was first unveiled at Urcha last Urcha, not this one, but the one before that. And and now it's you know it's to market. We're going to see more of that kind of stuff. I think people are going to start to geek out on the lights a little bit more now with being able to accessorize them like that telemetry is a big deal you know so i'm starting to i'm, I'm thinking we're going to see more third-party type equipment that you can add to your your helicopter 
and view on like an Android or an iPhone or uh, log and save for later or whatever you're going to do. And we'll be able to add those components just right onto your helicopter. You know, we've already got some some companies that are doing some of that, but I think we're going to see more of that in the future. You know, you know, I don't know. I guess like uh, you know, the the quadcopter market's kind of started to grow too. Um, so, and I know the UAV kind of thing is a, a pretty touchy subject in the U.S. at least, right? But um, to see uh, um, because every, we're able to make everything so much smaller now. To be able to, to compartmentalize something almost kind of like the Parrot Air drone is, right, on a bigger market, right, where you can do like first person, you know, freeform flight, you know, that's uh, maybe waypoint based or GPS based or something like that off of a, a tablet or a laptop or something like that. We'll maybe see something that's more turnkey like that, you know, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Quad cops. Mm-hmm. Quad suite. Again, helicopters, planks, quadcopters. Just saying. Just saying. <laughs> You are incorrecto. I say the planks are at the end, man. I don't know what you're talking about. Is that all you got? You just think it's going to get more gadgetry this year? You don't really see any big... Uh... No, you know, I, I don't know. I think, you know, you were talking about the 800 class. I think we're going to start to hit a plateau. You know, I mean, just... I mean, I think it would be cool to see something, say, with like 1,000 uh, millimeter blades or something on it, right? But I think the physics behind being able to make something like that happen... If you could put this on a graph, we could watch this line, you know, this 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 graph, this curve kind of climb, 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 and it's going to go vertical. I think it's starting to go vertical somewhere around eight, 900 millimeters when it comes to 3D performance, right? Because right. There, I think there's only so long you can make that blade before being able to do a really crisp, fast TikTok back and forth, like really, you know, really hammer on them, just bam, 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 you know, and put them back and forth you know after a while the, the blades are so long that the them flapping on their own is not going to be able to it's not going to be able to happen fast enough the physics aren't behind it right you know i've heard yeah because i this the bigger you get the more scale like in flying ability yeah the, i mean and i mean right now we're seeing you know 700 class helicopters being able to do some major fast stuff right um but these blades i mean if and i've seen you know articles in RC Heli magazine and other places talking about the torsional stress and the, the um, you know the stress at the root and stuff like that on these blades and we get up somewhere like 800 pounds a, almost a ton of pressure on these blades you know 690 mil blades or 700 mil blades right or more than that so you can imagine where that goes when you get to eight nine hundred a thousand millimeter blades you know so I see a lot of failures if we try to go that big and also you know fly them that hard i've i've heard people talk about the logo extreme and i've seen all the videos and stuff i've never seen one in person um and i think it's going to be kind of a cool helicopter to have you know frankly i don't think it's going to be able to lay down the smack as well as like a velocity 90 or a t-rex 700e or something like that would but just because of the size right um some people that have seen it in person have said that it seems sluggish you know the videos are – it's easy to make it look like it's moving really fast or shortcuts in and out of things. You know, Not to say that it's a slow helicopter, right, but it's not – it's nowhere near as snappy as, as what we're seeing at the 700 classes of today do. Now, if something major changes in the way we make blades or, or something like that, maybe we'll see that happen with an 800 or a 900. But I don't know. I think maybe for 2013, you know. 
the 700 has been around for a couple of years, you know, and now look what they're doing now, you know. Yeah, I actually kind of agree with you. And I actually, um, for my style of flying, um, the 800, I think, will be perfect for that just big, smooth oh, air yeah. flying that I, yeah. that I enjoy. So I'm kind of looking forward to it. And uh, I actually can see myself in that type of helicopter. I mean, I've had one that big before, right. 820 millimeter blades. Right. In the Bergen, uh, yeah. I yeah, I enjoyed it, but there were just too many other issues with that helicopter that I just couldn't deal with. But um, well, we've only got you know, one you on the market right now. So you mentioned the night flying earlier, yeah. and I just one thing I wanted to bring up because I was thinking about it. Oh, you were talking about it was during that Bert camera interview. We started talking about night flying a little bit, and I got to tell you, my I got my butt clenched up a little bit <laughs> because if you remember, if you remember, you and I talked about the night fly yeah. from the OHV, yeah. and I was a little unimpressed <laughs> with it. I didn't want to say anything to him, but I was like, I was like, oh god, he's gonna say something. Yeah, he's gonna scorn me. <laughs> I'm gonna be scorned. Whatever. Speaking of plankers, you know who a planker is, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I know who a planker is. Mm -hmm. Planker's a guy that wastes all that space in his trailer for straight-winged items when he can put rotational items up instead. <laughs> well, in particular, I wanted to uh, talk about Nick Maxwell. Nick. Uh, <laughs> Nick. Nick, where are you? I think I pissed. Call us. I think I pissed. I think I pissed him off. <laughs> yeah. Well, I knew we were well, supposed to get him he, on, you know, but. Yeah, yeah, we were. You know, he was. He was saying he'd love to come on, and yada yada yada, and right. and uh, in the in the last line of the last uh, correspondence I had with him, I said, "You bring the roofies, I'll bring the condoms." <laughs> Still thinking, right? <laughs> <laughs> Haven't heard from him since. Ah. Haven't heard. <laughs> so, if he listens to the show, man, he should get that. I mean, yeah, yeah, he should get it. And you know, it's it's just who we are, and we're you know we're just out to have a good time. Uh, and Nick, if you're listening, give me a call. Uh, I'd love to have you on the show. I was only kidding. Fucking with uh, you, man. I'll bring the roofies if you want to bring the condoms. If, if that's <laughs> if that was your hold yeah, up, right? <laughs> uh, Bobby Watts. Yeah, we should be having him on soon. Uh, yeah, I know I keep saying that every show, yeah. but the stars just haven't been lining up. It was the OHB, and and then I, I was kind of thinking we were going to have an interview with him earlier this week, but it's Christmas week, busy, busy, everybody's busy. Dude, we got to get him on, man. That dude needs a job. Yeah, yeah, he's got to need some exposure, <laughs> right. doesn't he? I mean, he doesn't have he doesn't have enough. Yeah. Oh, one other thing I want to clear up. We kind of I don't know if you know this, dude, but we kind of confused a few people. Really. Uh, our last week's show. Our show's confusing. Yeah, well, this particular part was a little confusing. We were talking about Bobby Watts, and it kind of the conversation kind of went on and on and on. And then I mentioned that we'd talked to Bert Cameron, and he's and I said, and we can confirm that that he is not going to be playing with Outrage. And I got a few PMs and a few emails. Well, I don't get it because he was just on the RC Today show. Oh, they thought we were saying Bert was. Well, yeah. No. Yeah, what we meant, guys, and, and our apologies, because, you know, we kind of get caught up in what we're talking about. And what we were talking about was Bobby Watts <laughs> is not going to outreach. Right, so, right. Yet, as of today, uh, I mean, things change. It's hard to say. Yeah, right. But uh, So also, too, I wanted to mention uh, an interview coming up, Dan Taylor from the UK. Yes, yeah. This guy is a... He's like a phenom of photography, video photography. If, if you're not familiar with, with who Dan Taylor is, he's the guy who created the RCHA trailer video 
and it is fantastic. Yeah. He does amazing work, and um, so we got him on to talk a little bit about... Can you guys hear that? Yeah, what is that? That's my, that's, that's my ice maker, oh. <laughs> dropping ice. <laughs> I thought you were dropping a deuce or something. <laughs> <laughs> he does amazing work, and uh, he's going to be doing quite a few videos this uh, this summer for the, the guys over there in the UK. Yeah. Uh, we'll, put a, we'll put a video uh, show notes uh, link up to his video so you guys can check it out if you haven't seen it yet. Yeah, you know, I really uh, dig look, that that people are taking the time to, to put that kind of work into videos these days instead of just your standard, here's me flying my helicopter and now I'm done. When I think video editing software is getting cheaper and a lot of stuff you, you can do right on your computer, right out of the box, you know, and, you know, so yeah. people are getting more used to that kind of stuff. So I think you'll probably see more of that, you know, you know, here coming, but you know, I think this guy's videos are really good. And to boot, he's funny as hell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he tells us a pretty a couple amusing stories that I'll leave for you guys to listen to on the next. Uh, I'm assuming he's going to be on the next episode. Uh, we do have the interview. We just need to figure out where we're going to put it in. But look for that coming up soon. Put it in the podcast. And Carl, um, I did get your tech tip, and I did email you back, and I told you we're going to use it. We don't have time to play it today, but uh, I've got a tech tip from Carl, and I've got a few others that maybe aren't air worthy <laughs> uh just having a good time and i appreciate it and trust me i got a laugh but i think some of them are just maybe Dude, not Dude, i want to hear uh, you gotta gotta send them to me so i can hear them i can do that um so guys send us those tech tips remember if we use it we're gonna send you a t-shirt um carl we'll be playing yours probably on the next show uh but it is in the queue so uh, you guys will be able to hear Carl's tech tip. And if you're shy and you've got a good tech tip, email it to us. Email us the whole tip, and Rob and I will go ahead and do it. I know a lot of people don't aren't real keen on uh, maybe coming on. They think we're going to bite, Rob, I think is what it is. Oh, you think so? No, I think you know it's mm. more like um, you know, like you get the, the Amazon bush people that don't want you to take their picture because if you take their picture, it takes their soul away. Maybe if they like record their own voice and then hear it back to themselves on on in their own headphones or something, it's like a deja vu thing. And then like I don't know, their head will explode or something. So, well, I can tell you, and I don't know if you went through this when I first started doing these podcasts, it was really awkward for me to hear my own voice. Oh yeah, I've always been like that. I, you know, I don't I, even now. You know, when I listen to my voice, I'm like, that's how I sound. You know, but yeah. whatever. Yeah, that, that doesn't bother me anymore, but. I can understand that, uh, you know, tendency to hesitate, but yeah. we'll be we'll be easy with you. And if you want to get on Skype and chat with me about it, uh, get more comfortable with it, uh, more than willing to do that too. Sure. So the newsletter, guys, uh, go ahead and sign up for the newsletter. Some crazy things are going to be happening with the newsletter, and you know, you just get some information about us. Uh, you know, things we don't necessarily talk about on the show sometimes. Uh, more information about guests we've had on, that kind of thing. Hey, I added a new thing to the newsletter. What'd you add? I can't say it on the air. You guys have to subscribe to see it. Anyway. That's, that's what they call a teaser, I think. Is that what they call that, a teaser? I think so. Yeah, yeah probably. We're just amateurs. We don't really know what we're doing. <laughs> but uh, I just got a Skype message from Rob Boyd on my cell phone. Did you? Yeah. It says, can you hear me? <laughs> <laughs> I sent that to you at 1027, and it's like an hour later than that. <laughs> Come on, iPhone. <laughs> you can do better than yes. that. Yes. 
<laughs> so if you want to get in touch with me, you can get in touch with me at dankreed at msn.com, uh, dan at rchelynation.com, or dankreed on all the forums. Be sure to use our listeners' corner on Heli Freak, and we also have a forum, RC Heli Nation, over there on RC Heli Addicts. If you have any questions or anything you'd like to uh, ask us or whatever, chastise us about, yeah. send Rob the hate mail. You can do that. So if I wanted to get in touch with you, Rob, how would I do it? Well, get a chisel and a hammer and then chisel out some hieroglyphics, but you might have to go to school to figure out what, what they are and so that I can read them the right way. Um, or mm-hmm. if you want to just cop out and do it the easy way, you can just send an email to rob at rclanation.com. Um, you can catch me on Facebook. I'm on there, Rob Boyd. Um, next gen on any forum that you can find. Um, and that's about it. I also want to give you guys a little bit of a heads up. Um, I had a few questions about Callum. Callum is definitely still part of the show. Um, He's very busy uh, with other things at the moment. Um, In fact, he's really getting into his DJing thing. I'm not really into that kind of stuff, but a lot of people tell me he's really good. Um, He does have a Facebook page up. We're going to go ahead and uh, put a link to that uh, so you guys can check that out. Um, yes, he's still around. He's just busy. And when he's ready to, to join us, uh, he's welcome anytime he knows that. So, uh, he and Brian and all the other guys, they're all part of the RC Heli Nation team group, uh, gang. Are we a gang? Squad. Gang? We'll be the squad. squad. We need to come up with some gang signs. <laughs> right. We can flash, we can flash some gang signs, <laughs> signs at people. Nice. The E-gang. Well, this was a long episode, number 15, and I sure hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoyed making it. We will catch you later. Yes. Bootsizodorfi. This has been a production of RC Heli Nation. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please feel free to contact us on our page at www.rchelination.com. And if you'd like to support our show by donating, there's a Donate Now button right on our page.